BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Five months have passed since Hamas brutally attacked Israel, launching a vicious war for Israel's very survival. As Israel fights for her existence, so many people around the world, even in America, Israel's greatest ally, have turned their backs on the Israeli people right when they need friends the most. Friends like us. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is on the ground in Israel, delivering critically needed emergency supplies to those suffering right now. There is an immediate need for essentials like food, medicine, and emergency supplies for hundreds of thousands of suffering Jews. Many cannot return to their homes because of rocket fire in the north from Hezbollah. Israel is in desperate need, and that's why I'm partnering with the fellowship today. Every donation is urgently needed. To give to IFCJ, visit supportifcj.org. That's one word supportifcj.org your gift will be matched to double in impact and help provide twice the support supportifcj.org god bless and thank you newton group transfer they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE 
or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Here's a scene for you. Let's pretend for a moment we are in a hot war with China. And I mean hot war. Guns blazing, bombs dropping, the works. Frankly, not outside of the realm of possibility, but that's another matter. And this is a long, bloody, ugly, hot war with China. And as it happens, in basically every long-running war with another nation, you as an American... Assuming you're not a member of the media who would be openly rooting for China, you as an American are going to develop a certain hatred for China. You just are. I hate China. I hate those dirty commies. It's just the nature of the beast. It's how it is. And you're, by now, because this is, you know, war, you're going to have heard stories, lots of them, about atrocities committed by the Chinese. Not just on troops, but on civilians. You're you're going to have a unique view of these people by this time. And the war is finally over. Remember, this is imaginary. And we lost. Whatever the reason, we lost. Oh, no. And the Chinese come knocking on our door. And one day you were told you and all your neighbors need to bra- grab all your whole family, kids and everything, and come down for a meeting at the public park. There's a, there's a big meeting. It's required. You're nervous. You're not sure what this new world's going to look like, how we're going to negotiate everything. I've, you throw the fam in the car. You drive down to the public park. You all get out, the whole town is lined up with your families around this big public park square, at which point in time the authorities stand up in front of you and say, okay, uh, you see all those trucks that just backed up over there? All those transport trucks? Those are Chinese trucks. You need to go uh, put your kids in the back of those trucks. They're taking them all back to China. Oh, no, we're, we're serious. Go put your kids in the back of those trucks. The Chinese are taking them now. They just want to make sure, they just want to make sure you're all going to be on your best behavior, that there aren't going to be any flare-ups. What do you do? What's that moment? Don't convince yourself you're going to turn and take off running with your kids. The Chinese are already behind you with weapons in their hands. You're, You're giving them up. What does that look like 
when you kneel down and explain that situation to your child? What does that feel like when you hug and kiss your child goodbye for what you almost undoubtedly know will be the last time ever? If this is a little gut-wrenching, just know this exact situation happened. Only the countries and dates and names changed. I'll explain to you in just a moment. Now, Rome and Carthage. We have touched on Rome and Carthage before, mostly because of my borderline love affair with Hannibal Barca. Hannibal Barca is on everybody's top five tactical generals in the history of mankind. Let's do a brief setup for you. Rome. You know Rome. But Rome, at this point, before our story begins, Rome is a strong country, certainly formidable, not the Rome that you know, not the conquering the known world Rome, not that long empire that lasted through the ages. Rome is just an up-and-coming, very strong country, certainly nothing to be ashamed of. Carthage is south of Rome, at the modern-day Tunisia, the very, very, very northern part of Africa. They're essentially right across the Mediterranean from Rome. If you look at it on a map, it looks like you can throw a stone from Rome to Carthage. You obviously cannot, but that's them. And Carthage is every bit, I cannot stress this point enough, every bit the equal of Rome at this point. They are two up-and-coming heavyweights. Carthage has redefined the shipping and trading game. That's a big deal back in the day, as I've explained to you a million times over. You don't think about it now because you're blessed enough to live where we live. And when you want, uh, oh, man, I, I think I'll make a pie for dinner. Do we have any cinnamon? Oh, we don't. All right, you know what? I'll shoot down to the grocery store. And what are you going to do? You're going to walk to the spice section and you're going to grab a jar of cinnamon. And you're going to go pay two bucks for it or whatever and you're going to drive home. Well, back in those days, if you had taken anyone from that era, and I mean even emperors and kings, if you would take anybody from that era and put them just in front of the spice selection section of your grocery store, they would probably fall down weeping as if you just showed them the kingdom of heaven. Trade was a big deal back then, not just spices, materials. I mean, it, it was a big deal. And when you're Carthage and you're placed right where you're placed, you are going to redefine the shipping game and Carthage did. Well, here's the problem. You got Rome over there, and they're trying to do some things, and Carthage is just right here, and we're trying to do some things. And, you know, one of the uncomfortable facts of life is there generally only can be one alpha in the room. This works on individual levels. This works on nation levels. There really can only be, oh, that's the guy run in the room and generally you know right when that guy walks in the door oh okay well the office here same thing when it comes to nations 
Uh, I understand this is a big Mediterranean, but let's be honest. There's only room enough here for one of us. So it was inevitable. It all started down on Sicily. That was the first Punic War. That's not what this is about. Eventually, it turns into the second Punic War in Hannibal. And that's really not what this is about either. So let's fast forward through most of that which I've gone over before extensively, and I will go over again. Just know, at this point in time, Hannibal has slapped around every major army in Rome, in many cases almost completely wiping them out. And now we are at a situation where Rome has to figure out how to deal with this man because Romans are very prideful, aggressive people, and it was a bitter pill for them to swallow when someone told them, um, we don't we don't have the ability to beat Hannibal Barca in battle. We just we just cannot. It's it's time for a new strategy. The new strategy was basically to avoid Hannibal to attack the formerly Roman cities Hannibal had brought to his side, forcing Hannibal to have to run all over the country. Total disaster. Hannibal eventually gets called back home. And why does he get called back home? Because a man named Scipio, later to be known as Scipio Africanus, had landed there and was storming through Carthage. Scipio gets there. I've told you the story before, has a great night attack, ends up having a big old battle with Hannibal after a long talk with Hannibal, and Hannibal goes down, and Carthage essentially has to sue for peace. But everything's going to work out fine, right? We sued for peace, we're still Carthage? No, hang on. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. I know you take your safety and security seriously. I do too. Look, anybody with a family does. But here's the problem What if I told you you had this gigantic back door to your home that was unlocked? You would say, No, you're crazy. What are you talking about? I check my doors all the time. Do you? Do you get online? Does your family get online? Do you think that's safe when you do? I have news for you. It's not. You need ExpressVPN or you are not safe and secure online. Every single time you get online, they can see what you're doing. Your internet service provider can see absolutely all of it unless you have ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse and start locking that gigantic black door in your home. Expressvpn.com slash jesse. The Second Punic War is over. Carthage has been brought under heel. Carthage has been forced to give up Spain to the Romans. In the First Punic War, they had to give up Sicily to the Romans. Carthage Carthage has this 
massive, massive war indemnity they have to pay to Rome. And the Romans think to themselves, it'll take them forever. They're going to owe us for life. Except remember, Carthage is a money machine. And Carthage starts paying off the Romans double, sometimes triple. And the Romans start looking around thinking, uh-oh, this is not working out well at all. Because, well, Rome still feared Carthage. And that can be hard for us to understand because we view Rome as Rome. I mean, how many ancient Roman stories have I told you? And I'll tell you a million more. I mean, so much of the ancient world revolved around them or was tied to them in some way. And to understand that fear, you have to understand at one point in time during the Second Punic War, Hannibal Barca had knocked out not one, not two, but three massive Roman armies And what some people call is the biggest military mistake in the history of mankind, Hannibal probably could have marched on Rome and ended Rome. Rome didn't have anything. Nothing. They said the people of Rome at that time, the people in the actual city, were running around in a state of absolute panic. Sure, that the Carthaginians were about to knock down their walls and take over the city. In fact, many of the nobles were gathering with their families and fleeing the city. Some of the other ultra-patriot Romans were threatening them with swords to stop leaving. They thought we're all about to be murdered and ravaged at one point. So when I say still feared the Carthaginians, understand this, many Romans alive now during this Third Punic War era were very much alive in an era where the Carthaginians almost eliminated the Roman Empire. This is not some upstart jerkwater country. Carthage is big boy. And Carthage, as part of the deal ending the Second Punic War, was not allowed to make war on anyone else. Well, they had the Numidians, oftentimes allies, oftentimes enemies, but a powerful country by their own right decided to start beating up the Carthaginians because, let's be honest, the Numidians knew the game. The Carthaginians were not even allowed to defend themselves without Roman approval And the Numidians, they joined forces with the Romans. Think what that's like. Think two gigantic brothers standing beside you. And brother A tells you, you are not in any, in any way, without my approval, to touch brother B. And Brother B walks up and slaps you across the face, and you turn to Brother A, and you're like, can I hit him back? And Brother B turns to Brother A and says, don't let him hit me back. And Brother A says, sorry, you just have to sit there. Well, obviously, you can only take that for so long. Romans or no Romans, Brother A or no Brother A. And so Carthage fights back. Now Rome gets to do what Rome has been wanting to do, and Rome goes down to Carthage and says, we're about to come down here and kill all of you 
unless you give us 300 of your children. And, oh, I don't mean slave children that you dig out from somewhere. The children of all your royals, all your nobles, bring them to us. In what is supposed to be one of the most gut-wrenching scenes in history, the mothers were standing on the beach tearing out their own hair while their children were sailing off on Roman ships back to Rome. The Romans like to make sure. Only the thing is, this is what makes it even more cruel. Rome already knew it was coming down to war. And it did. Rome mobilizes its armies. It gets a massive, massive win when a neighboring city that had been formerly an enemy of Rome decides it's going to join forces with Rome. And this city was in Africa. And why does this city actually matter? Because remember what I said? The Carthaginians were great at trade. They were amazing, amazing at shipping and ships. And the Romans... They were having a hard find, hard time finding a place to land down in Carthage. This was not a foregone conclusion. They couldn't even get their army to the Dagon shore. And finally, Rome sails on down. They land and they begin marching. And I know what you're probably asking yourself at this point in time. Well, where's Hannibal? The great Hannibal. The great general who, yeah, lost to Scipio in that last battle, but spent some time kicking the crap out of every Roman army. What's he doing? The Carthaginians had kicked him out of their empire. The Carthaginians had not only kicked Hannibal out of their empire, they essentially went up to Rome and said, Hey, can you come get this Hannibal guy? We hate him. Do you know where he is? And do you know that Hannibal never did anything wrong to the Carthaginians? This was all done by an interior Carthaginian political faction who decided to side with the enemy in order to make things easier. An interior political faction that chose to side with the enemy. Sound familiar? Now, siege time. This is a long thing. Again, when the story is told of the Punic Wars, of the Rome-Carthage Wars, The Third Punic War, for some reason, and I'll never understand this, gets about about 10% of the time. Now, a lot of that is because Hannibal is the superstar of this entire story, and he's going to take up 70% of the time. You'll talk about the First Punic War a little, and then there's Hannibal Barca, and then there's the Third Punic War. So I get that. But this Punic War was one, was from 149 B.C. to 146 B.C. Three years the city was under siege. Carthage, I mean. Three years. The Romans, remember, they had a great force there. 
They at one point in time tried to collect all the Carthaginian arms where Carthage basically gave them over and then went right back to the city and made them all over again. Rome clearly was not the naval match for Carthage again. The reason a siege lasts for three years is they're finding a way to resupply that city. Ships kept getting in and out of Carthage, resupplying them. Carthage was infamous for the miles and miles of double and triple layer walls. They had moats. They had ditches. They used the sea to their advantage. It was, it was an issue. And you had a man named Hasdrubal in charge of the defense. And Hasdrubal's no joke. At one point in time, he takes captured Romans on top of the city walls and tortures them in front of the Roman army. That turned out to be a mistake. There are few things that can absolutely nail you, like an unexpected car repair bill. I hate them. Everybody knows I hate them. And my family, I'm famous for them. That check engine light comes on, that bad sound comes up, and all I do is I see the dollar signs in my head of, oh, this is going to cost me a freaking fortune. When I found out about Protect My Car, my eyes lit up. Because, listen, if you qualify, and I need to specify this, if you qualify, if you own a car, truck, or SUV from 99 or higher, there's a chance you qualify. But if you qualify, car repair bills, a thing of the past. Dial star star one two four four to see if you qualify. Again, I hope you do because do you need a $500 car bill out of nowhere right now for your engine, transmission, towing, roadside assistance? Yeah, I didn't think so. Go to protect my car. Star star one two four four. I'm about to get a little gruesome here. So, as you know, I don't do rated R. I don't want you to have to turn it off with your kids. But this is going to be a little gruesome, and it's going to be gruesome for a reason. I mentioned the torture of Roman troops. Why did Hasdrubal do this? Well, again, understand this. While Rome is under siege, and this is oftentimes the case, I'm not calling out just the Carthaginians. While Rome was, while Carthage was under siege by the Romans, there was division within Carthage. Sometimes that wasn't, you know, the case, but oftentimes you have two different, sometimes three different, sometimes four different political factions within any city. Different desires, different allegiances. And Hasdrubal, the man in charge of defending the city, was having to contend with a lot of people who wanted to give up, who wanted to say, I don't care how bad it will be under the Romans. It does not matter to me how bad it will be. 
Let's give up. We're going to lose everything. What are we doing? So Hasdrubal, in one of those moments like Cortez landing on the Mexican shore and burning the boats, as in we're not going back, Hasdrubal takes these Roman soldiers that he has captured on top of the wall so the Romans can see it and can hear it. And he takes iron hooks and tears out their eyeballs. He tears off their genitals. He tears their tendons out. And he lays them down and flays them. He skins them alive. Now I hope you and nobody you ever have ever loved has been skinned alive. So you really don't know what that feels like. But undoubtedly at some point in time, you have skinned your knuckle on something, right? Chris is always working on cars. How many times have you skinned your knuckle? About 8,000. If you ever want, to, want your kids to hear you say words you tell them not to say, go ahead and skin your knuckle in front of them. Hurts, right? That hurts. My knuckles are one big scar, both from clumsiness and on people's teeth. It hurts. Societies throughout history trying to inflict extra cruel, painful punishment on people have used it because I'm trying to be as gentle as possible, but that's important. Not only are you cutting, you're tearing. You cut to start it, and then you're pulling it up, and you're tearing in a tear. Shoot, I have a tear in my finger right now from this weekend. I'll tell you about it later on. Tearing hurts way worse than cutting when it comes to your skin. It's just brutal. And what I'm trying to tell you is these Roman troops looking up at this wall, that's not a nameless, faceless guy. You know who that person is. You probably love that person like a brother. And you have to listen as he screams while they tear his skin off. Hasdrubal had a reason to do this. Hasdrubal was doing this to show the other political factions, guess what? We're not negotiating now because now they're going to be real mad. It's win or die. Only now you're facing the Romans. And the Romans remember. And the Romans hated you anyway. The siege continues. The Romans finally, and the Romans have some serious setbacks and losses during this. Again, this is not a couple poor peasants holding out for two days until the Roman army storms in. This is three years of Carthage really doing quite quite well for themselves. And I'm not trying to pour admiration on Carthage. As I've told you before, they were huge on the child sacrifice thing. I try the best I can not to moralize ancient societies because they're all horrible and all did horrible things by today's standards, but they weren't living by today's standards. So I try not to do that. However, very similar to the Aztecs, I have a thing for kids, hurting kids. If you do it, 
especially at a societal level where it's society approved, I just have a hard time making excuses for you. I, I, again, back to the Aztecs real quick as a quick side note. We've talked about this before, how, how the Aztecs would sacrifice humans all the time and they would sacrifice children all the time to appease their gods. They would not only cut out their hearts, they would tear out their fingernails beforehand because they wanted the child to cry first because they thought it appeased the God. Now, even if you can make an excuse for that and say, okay, they think it appeases the gods, you're telling me nobody in that society, because they're all human, just like you and me, nobody in that society at the highest levels ever watched that and thought to themselves, this is wrong. Nobody did. By all accounts, the crowds would gather around and cheer. Woohoo! And Carthage was just as bad. They would uh, burn their children, throw their children into the fire. And I don't, not that this would be any better at all. I don't just mean babies. There are, by, by many accounts, seven, eight years old, you would take your firstborn and make them go jump into the fire in front of you. Picture that. As a society, that's what they did. So I'm not cheering for Carthage here, but they did very, very, very well for themselves. Very well for themselves. Eventually, the Romans break through the walls. And this is one of those things where I would have loved to have seen it. Because the thing about a siege like this, all sieges are not the same. Sometimes at the end of it, you may fare okay, because of previous wars, because of Roman hatred, because Hasdrubal chose to torture Roman troops on top of the walls, the people inside of Carthage knew this only ends one way. This ends with me dead, or this ends with me in slavery. Now, the Carthaginians had all kinds of slaves too, so I'm not here to defend them, but everybody had slaves back in the day, and as such, the Carthaginians knew what slavery meant. And you should know what slavery means. It's a lot more than just you know our experience with it here in the United States of America, which is obviously detestable. Have you seen those pictures? Some black dude with his, with his back covered in scars from the lashings and stuff like that. It's terrible. And American slavery? Whew. It paled in comparison to some of these old eras. It was, oh, it was, it's an ugly thing, slavery. The slavery, the, the subjugation of a human being is an ugly, ugly thing. It is. And the Carthaginians would have known this. One, the women, especially if she is even slightly attractive, again, I'm not going to go into the details. Use your imagination on that. But that was just the norm. That was the norm. You can have one on the kitchen staff, and she is considered to be your property. Should the, should the urge come over you anytime? What an existence for her. Imagine living that existence every day of your life. Knowing that day you could be washing the underwear and something terrible. What? What an existence. The children, by the way, oftentimes had that exact same existence depending on the desires of the man in charge. 
Hang on. Just slept like a baby last night. That's how I tackle my Mondays. And you know why I slept like a baby last night? Ebb sleep. You need to try this. It is not sleeping pills. It's not another mouthpiece. It's not another mattress that makes you twist your body into a W so you can get that perfect angle. It targets the actual reason you can't sleep. Those thoughts that are racing through your head all the time. Ebb Sleep applies continuous cooling to your forehead area, putting you asleep faster and keeping you asleep. You need to try this. Just give it a try. And you get 25 bucks off right now. Tryeb.com slash Jesse. Again, that's tryebb.com slash Jesse. Use the promo code Jesse at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Get in ebb sleep and start sleeping. Tryeb.com slash Jesse. The Jesse Kelly Show. When you storm into a city, and you're going to enslave everybody. The people are going to know what that means. Death was oftentimes preferred. So they begin to storm through Carthage. Only these people are not laying down. And this is not a tiny city. Some said there were 200,000 in it. Some said there were 500,000 in it. Again, remember the ancient numbers. Forget ancient numbers. I've I've told you World War One stories before where the numbers are nobody's sure about it. It blows me away. But nobody ever knows the numbers. Could be two hundred thousand. Could be five hundred thousand. Watch it was probably two million, and no one knows. I mean, no one knows. It's a lot of people, and these people are fighting back. They're fighting house to house. These ancient cities, you like to picture them. Oftentimes as well. I mean, uh, I'm sure the walls are big and pretty, but I'm sure it's just a bunch of mud huts inside. No, they had multi, multi multi-story homes, townhouses, apartment complexes. It looked like what you would picture in American city today, only a lot, a little bit, a little bit old school looking, but it looked that way. An apartment is an apartment is an apartment. And the Carthaginians know there is no escape. The entire city's been under siege. We're all going to die. And they choose to make the Romans earn every single inch of this city. They're chucking things down on top of the Romans. You know what a heavy... Probably clay piece of ceiling tile will do to a man's skull from three stories up. Squash it like a grape. So you don't just get to to march down the streets if you're a Roman soldier. You have to clear these things out house by house by house. Now, remember what I said earlier about the torture sounds? What does that 
sounds like when you're storming in an apartment complex and there's smoke everywhere because they began to light things on fire and fires would break out anyway. And there's screaming and there's crying and there's cursing. And you have Roman troops trying to kick their way into barricaded doors of an apartment complex. And you have a man, maybe his brother and father are with him. And they know the wife and kids are right behind me and they're dead if I don't stop them. And so he's thrusting a spear out at the Romans and they're spearing him back and it's blood. and it That's one scene. Multiply that a hundred thousand times as the Romans have to fight their way inch by inch through Carthage. Seven days. From the time they broke through the walls, it took seven days for the Romans to finally take the city. Hasdrubal The man in charge. You want to talk about a different way of thinking, a different kind of commitment? Get this. Eventually, there are 900 people holding out. They're holding out at the Citadel. A big fortified center of the city is what you need to know. They're holding out at the Citadel. There's a massive fire outside of the Citadel. They're not allowed to surrender. Many of these people are Roman defectors. It's Hasdrubal and his family. It's all the final holdouts get here. Hasdrubal, in an effort to try to earn maybe some kind of effort or some kind of of, of mercy, Hasdrubal says to the Romans, hey, we'll, we'll just, we'll give up. And you know what happens next in a scene that You know there are scenes in the movies you're glad you've seen, but you wish you'd never see again? We all know what I'm talking about. You've seen a movie or a movie scene at some point in time. Most likely it's a historical one because those are the ones you're glad you've seen. But you're like, oh, man, I can't believe they went through that. Hey, you want to watch this again? No, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm fine. Hasdrubal tries to surrender to the Romans. Hasdrubal's wife walks out with her two sons in tow, their two sons in tow, curses Hasdrubal and leaps into the flames with their two sons. What does that look like? What was the look on Hasdrubal's face as he watched his wife and two sons jump into the fire on purpose? What do you think the look on his face was? And then, well, Scipio, who was watching this whole thing, who finally had this victory, Three years in the making. Do you know what Scipio did? Hang on, I'll tell you.
My phone is gross because your phone is gross because the world is gross. There are lots of germs out there. Look, they're not all going to kill us, but do you know that your phone is dirtier on average than a public restroom? My phone is too. Look, we all set them down on tables, on desks, on surfaces. We don't know when they've been cleaned. We touch things and we grab our phones and we set our phone down and what happens? When do we clean our phone? How often do we disinfect them? Uh, let's start at never and work our way down from there. It's just not something we think of. Get a clean phone pro. Get a clean phone pro because it kills 99.9% of bacteria on your phone using UVC lights. You can disinfect keys, wallets, credit cards, everything. Go to AmericaFirstShop.com and go find the clean phone pro and get one. Again, that's AmericaFirstShop.com, and use the code JESSE at checkout. Get you free two-day shipping. Another one of these moments, Chris and I were just talking off air about how intense sieges were, and we're going to do more sieges, and they're always heavy shows, and I, I, I want it to be a heavy show. You know, I don't like to do a heavy show, but it's going to be a heavy show sometimes, and sometimes I want it to be because it's a siege, and it is the worst experience in history. Is there a worse experience than having a city being broken into by an enemy army it's not good it's not good it's all ugly and it's all the worst parts of man rolled up into one i'm not saying it's not necessary sometimes you have to lay a siege it just it just brings out everything ugly everything ugly now you're scipio you fought against the carthaginians for so long you made your bones in spain you've had you've had everything you're you're famous now Right? You finally are watching Carthage burn. Your men are destroying the city under orders, and I do mean destroying the city. And do you have any idea what Scipio did? Hang on, I'll tell you. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. You know what Scipio did as he watched Carthage burn? He wept. And do you know why he wept? They asked him, what's wrong? Obviously, it's a weird thing. And he said, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here. Because that's our fate, too. That's the fate of everyone. Every great empire ends like that. Rome wiped Carthage 
quite literally off the map. They destroyed the city itself, killed or enslaved every single one of them. I don't mean the nobles. I don't mean most of them. All of them gone. They eliminated Carthage from memory. A society, any society, once it reaches a huge, hugely powerful level, it really cannot be utterly destroyed from outside sources. Don't get me wrong, small societies can. But it can't only be outside sources. I mean, who's who's the greatest conqueror we talk about all the time? Greatest Genghis Khan, right? Even when he wiped out the Charismian Shah's empire, what did I tell you he did? We've gone over this before. He was emphatic about it. He would send in spies into the major cities he was going into, find out the political factions, and find a way to get a bunch of people working against that city from within. Even Genghis Khan knew, we need some people on the inside. Come on now. Once you're a major power, you don't get brought down by another major power. Not head-to-head. You bring yourself down. Now, the other major power can help you along. If they're smart, they do. But you bring yourself down. I'm about to say some things that are going to make you extremely uncomfortable. Allow me to just say before I say them, I'm not sorry. I'm not slightly sorry. I'm not going to set any of it up with all these qualifiers. and Put this and put that. I'm going to tell you how it is. If that in any way makes you uncomfortable, you are more than welcome to call in 877-377-4373. You can call in and yell at me. You can email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Or you can turn the channel. But here's the truth. Half of this country politically, not half of the people, but the Democratic Party, if not all of it, major, major portions of it are now actively working to bring down the United States of America. They don't even hide it well. The left is not a political party with a slightly alternative point of view in the direction America should go. The left is now an insurgency in the United States of America, wholly dedicated to its destruction. If you do not believe that, you have not been paying attention. You cannot see all the things that are taking place right before your eyes. Have you seen the media coverage of these horrible riots and looters and protests and terror? People are dying. They're burning City Hall. They're defacing the World War II memorial. They're destroying livelihoods. The violence is not stopping. I saw an aerial video of Philadelphia from last night. It looked like it had just been bombed. 
The place was on fire. And the media has spent the last week pouring gasoline on every fire. Oh, we understand your protest. Oh, this is the voice of the unheard. You know what? I heard it's the white nationalists. There are definitely some of those guys out here. And that's just the media. We have Hollywood leftists right here. Chrissy Teigen, Steve Carell, remember that name, and others donating money to bail out the people arrested. Chrissy Teigen, in celebration of whatever the blank magonite is, I'm, commi- I'm committing to donating $100,000 to the protests across the country. I'm not making that up. That's real. Seth Rogen, another actor, gets on and says, Matched, Steve Carell, that actor you love from The Office and everything else, gets on and says, Matched, we have Hollywood dedicating six figures to bailing out people burning down American cities. Oh, it doesn't stop there. The son of Minnesota's Democrat Attorney Attorney General, I hereby declare officially my support for Antifa. You know the Antifa. Antifa that was just designated as a terrorist organization and has been burning down cities. Oh, wait, we're not done yet. Omar's daughter, Representative Ilhan Omar's daughter, retweets a socialist account pleading for help for the rioters. But wait, there's more. Mayor Bill de Blasio's daughter, Chiara, I don't even know if that's how you say that ridiculous name, 25 taken into custody around 10.30 p.m. after she was involved in a riot in the United States of America. I am sorry if you are a Democrat who grew up under John F. Kennedy. If even you're a Democrat who came up under Bill Clinton, I know this is tough to hear. I'm not talking to you specifically. Your party is gone. You now are completely dedicated as a party, not you, as a party, you are dedicated to the, to the destruction of the United States of America. You're raising another generation that's dedicated to that same destruction. And if you continue to turn a blind eye to it, you are dedicated to that destruction. Your party has been ripped up and remade and it is gone. All the way. And if we can stop another narrative, and you want to talk about making you uncomfortable, I'm sure this is going to get me in trouble, but I don't care. Yes, I'm fine with designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. I'm fine with the president calling out Antifa. I'm fine with AG Barr calling out Antifa. But can we please stop with this absurd narrative that all the violence and looting and destruction is coming from Antifa. What kind of children are we? Are we completely unable to address problems in a frank way in the United States of America anymore? People, I've seen the videos. Yes, there's obviously a ton of Antifa out there, but come on. These riots and looting and protests are a mixture of a thousand different things. Antifa is part of it. No question. Part of it is just some scumbag people trying to loot. No question. Part of this is Black Lives Matter doing violent things. No question. Part of this are gangs doing violent things. No question. Why do we fail 
to address any problems in any other community in the country? Why are we not allowed to say, uh, yeah, if your community can rise up and burn down American cities at the snap of their fingers, maybe you have some problems you should address as well. And that's no shame in that. Don't we all have problems? It's only Antifa doing the riding. Oh, be freaking serious. No, it's not. No, it's not. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. You lay down to sleep at night and you're tired. And I know this because, let's be honest, I've gone through this myself. You lay down to sleep, you're tired, you need a good night's sleep, and oh man, I'm so exhausted. I just please just need to sleep. And then, oh, but what about, oh man, that was kind of a good day today at work. I uh, hope, hope it goes well tomorrow. I have that big meeting tomorrow. Oh, did I remember little Billy's homework? I've been, You know what I'm talking about, your mind. It starts going 10 miles a minute, and you can't turn it off, and sooner or later, it's midnight, and you know you're going to be a zombie because you know now your thoughts are racing, and now you're also nervous about not falling asleep, which only makes you fall asleep even worse. Go get an ebb sleep. It targets those thoughts and calms your mind down. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code at jesse. Get you 25 bucks off. People. We are never going to address the racial tension in America by avoiding talking about black people at all costs. I don't understand this. And you know what's so weird is I have this conversation with black friends I have, and we can have this conversation frankly. Why do we, well, you can't address any tensions unless you're open about them. You know the most racially at ease environment I've ever been in in my life? The United States Marine Corps, where we used to say the most horrible things to each other on a regular basis, and we would laugh, and they'd say horrible things back, and we would laugh, and everything was fine. And you know why it was great? Not just because we could joke about it, because everybody talked. If I one day wanted wanted to, and did this actually, walk up to my platoon sergeant, Staff Sergeant Parsons, whose arms were as big as my legs, and he could have squashed my head like a grape, and say to him, Staff Sergeant, I don't understand why black people love Cadillacs. And he can laugh until I think the glass is going to shatter because he had one of those laughs that he sits me down and we have a good laugh, a good laugh about it, and then a talk about it. And you know what? I learned a lot. But in America, here's how race is discussed. 
White people suck. White people suck. Oh, there's looters that must be white people. Rioters, it's white people. There's destruction going on. Uh, it's probably mainly the white people. White this, white that, white that. Oh, there's a black person doing something? Well, a white person must have made him do it or basically forced him to do it. It's certainly not the saint black person. Uh, white people, it's white. It's wh And you think that's somehow tolerant. You think that is in some way racially tolerant. It's actually the most insulting thing humanly possible. One, we're all individuals. I have news for you. Stop the presses. I know you're going to find this shocking. There are some amazing white people out there. There are some horrible white people out there. There are some amazing black people out there. There are some horrible black people. There are amazing Hispanics. There are horrible Hispanics. I know you're going to find this really, really shocking, but... Every skin color has scumbags. Every skin color has great people. You can't have American cities burning down and do everything you can to only address the easy part of the problem. It's easy to stand up and say, it's all Antifa. Woo! We took care of the problem. It's Antifa. No, it's not, man. Come on with that. I've seen the pictures. I know you've seen them, too. I've seen the video. I know you've seen them too. Come on, dude. But this is what we do. You want to you know what we do? You want to know what we do? L listen, this is a United States senator. This is a Republican United States senator. This is how we choose to address problems in this country. The murder of George Floyd is both a tragedy and a travesty. And the anger we've seen built around it isn't just justified, but is also more than just about Mr. Floyd's murder. It is about the fact that a substantial percentage of the American family believes and feels that their issues receive less attention and their lives are held with less value because of their race, because of the color of their skin. This is an ongoing problem that has haunted us for far too long and it must be addressed. And the anger you saw spill over in these protests across the country, well, that's where it comes from as much as anything else. Unfortunately, however, while these protesters that are out there to talk about these issues and to point to Mr. Floyd's murder, these protesters have been largely peaceful. They are not the ones looting and burning and hurting people. But something happens at these protests right around sundown. Suddenly, they start to turn violent. And they start to turn violent because some people show up. And they show up with backpacks and in them they have batons and incendiary devices. We've heard reports of people showing up in trucks to begin to take things out. And that's when the looting starts. That's when the violence starts. Who are these people? Uh, totally wrong. I mean, it's partially right. I, yeah, that happens. Um, they were burning down Minneapolis before anybody from Antifa showed up. It's completely false. But the first night of the Antifa protests, go back and look at what happened in Target. When they smashed through and they took the after video of Target and the place was a smoky ruin and we had people sitting there kneeling in front of the cash registers, bashing them open. Come on. Stop absolving bad people of responsibility for doing bad things. In what way do you think that improves racial tension in America? It's only Antifa. It's definitely Antifa. These are all out-of-towners. Everybody's out of town. I mean, he's probably from out of town. That's a bunch of crap. Go look at the arrest records, which are already coming out now. Yes, there are some out-of-towners. Yes, most of these people are homegrown, baby. Oh, I think this must have been a bust-in white Antifa person. 
It certainly was no, well, no, it wasn't a black person. What is that? That's insulting to everybody, including black people. You cannot properly address these things without addressing the actual issue. But that's what we do each and every time now in America. Rubio's the worst example of it. He keeps going. Listen to this crap. Who are these people? Because the real protesters on the ground will tell you they don't know who they are. They've never seen them before. These people are violent domestic extremists. And they range from Antifa groups who are radical to the left to some other groups radical to the right. In fact, groups that I would argue don't even belong on the political <laughs> spectrum. To groups radical on the right. And by the grace of God, the pundit class on the right destroyed Rubio for that. Uh, what? What do you mean? What? Radical groups on the right? Who on the right? Uh, there was, uh, You know what his answer for it was? There have been some online chat rooms. <laughs> The leftists organize and burn down every major U.S. city, city, including City Hall, historic landmarks. People are dying in the streets. And Marco Rubio stands up behind the microphone and says, wow, I mean, it's kind of both sides. (laughs) What? What in the world? What in the world? Honestly, we are Carthage. We are. Half this country, at least half of the people with a platform in this country, and probably a lot more than half, they are either wholly dedicated to bringing the place down, or they're like Marco Rubio, and they want to try to well, we have to fight back against the people trying to bring the country down, but don't fight too hard. And, I mean, obviously it's kind of my fault and your fault. Yes, Genghis, I know you're coming over the walls, but everybody, don't blame Genghis and the Mongolian hordes. Really, this is both of us here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously they're going to cut off everyone's head, but let's remember, we stubbed some toes, too. What in the world, what do we have to do for real leadership in this country? What do we have to do for somebody to stand up and call a spade a spade? Nobody wants to do it. Nobody's going to do it. (laughs) You know, Chris, you know, I don't like to raise my voice on the show and I feel like I've been raising my voice a lot today. I've been watching it all weekend long and I've just been dying to get behind this microphone. I'm amazed at what I see. I'm amazed at what I see. We are never, ever, ever going to solve the problems of this country by apologizing for bad people. You know what's amazing about this? Remember how all this began? It began with a cop murdering that dude, George Floyd, and the entire United States of America coming out immediately and condemning it. It united the nation. Wait, we're burning down America in agreement about something? Yeah. Yeah.
what are we looking at in November? I get this question all the time now. I had it a dozen times this weekend. How's the election doing? What are we doing in November? What are we doing in November? I don't want to bring you down. I don't want to depress you. As everybody knows, I'm Jesse the Oracle Kelly, Chris, so everyone thinks I can predict the future because of the last couple months, (laughs) even though I gave myself that nickname. Just work as hard as you can for President Trump to get him reelected in November is is all I'm going to try to tell you. Understand this. Understand it well. I was already as loud as I could possibly have been about how I feel about the lockdowns. I was as loud as I could possibly have been. Um... These lockdowns were a disaster. They were a disaster. They have created an economic disaster. They they happened under President Donald Trump. You can blame him. You cannot blame him. It doesn't matter. The truth is they happened under President Donald Trump. They did. It's a Chinese virus. Not saying it came from him. But it happened under President Donald Trump. That's a fact. People are going to walk into the polls and they're going to know that. And now we have American cities burning. And that happens, you know. Joining me now to talk about that political strategist and Esquire, Aaron, please, please tell me what an Esquire is, by the way, before we continue. Um, an Esquire is simply someone that has suffered through three years of law school and passed the bar exam. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Why do some people call themselves Esquire and some do not? I don't know. I, I really enjoy the moniker or title, if you will, so... I think it's a matter of taste, but I really like it. So I think we should all Esquire up. (laughs) All right. Well, Aaron Elmore joining us now. Now, do you have it on your business card? Um, yes, I do. I I always kind of keep it, keep it there because I worked really hard for it and I'm proud of it. And that bar exam is no joke. (sighs) Do you want to take a hard left turn like Kim Kardashian? Because her dad was a really famous lawyer. He was on the OJ case, right? Uh And she said now, an only state in the country, I believe, that you can take the bar exam without going to law school is California. So she, like, fancies herself as studying for the bar exam, and <laughs> uh, it really upsets me. But that's for a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> now tell me something. One last question about the business card. Do you Are you one of these people that gets the extra thick, like, engraved one to really Tommy Top or anybody, or you just get the normal business card at, like, Kinko's or whatever? Okay, I love that you're basically using an American Psycho reference, and I'm here for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because in American Psycho, all of those guys compare their business cards. I, um, you know, I I fancy myself to be hip, like the young kids, which I know I'm not. (laughs) I don't think the young kids really have business cards. They use their cell phone. So half the time, I'm just putting my information in people's cell phones or DMing or doing all of that cool kid stuff. Okay. To try to fit in, which I never will. Aaron, you are a Philly person. 
Now, for better or for worse, you're a Philly person, which means you have access to amazing food. It also means your city is on fire. I saw a video last night. It was an aerial from from yesterday evening in Philadelphia, and it 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 seriously looked like the city had been bombed. What's it Um, like to be in Philly? We can all see the video. We know that. What's it like to be there? It's terrifying. Um, You couldn't leave your house yesterday, even during the daytime. People were looting and rioting as people were cleaning up. Um, Our mayor gave an embarrassing and disappointing speech about, um, you know, how we have to apologize for poverty in this city. And it really was misguided. and, And it wasn't a sort of a statement of hope or a statement of law and order. Our police commissioner, on the other hand, she is a like a tough, strong African-American woman, and she sent a really positive message. So that was at least a glimmer of hope. Um, but here, it's dangerous. Uh, Walnut Street is a main shopping drag, and the windows were all smashed out. Um, my son, I have a seven-year-old. He's old enough to read after the police. Mm. And um, what were the other things? Like all swear words, like anarchy at once and law and order and it's it's really 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 sad it's so so sad and it's dangerous oh more dead cops no peace dumpsters on fire cop cars on fire like all it sounds like overhead was helicopters going overhead and police sirens and fire trucks going by and i no longer want to be a part of this narrative i don't want to live here anymore i vote republican and i'm sorry if that upset some people this is taxation without representation. I'm a political prisoner, and I truly feel that way. What, what does it make you want to do? I, I, because I know, look, I, like, I know that you're a city person. I know that's what you enjoy. And I love the city. Do you want to pack up the family and move into a cabin in the mountains? Do you want to move to Barbados? Do you, what does it make you want to do being in there? And I'm asking this of all my friends who live, you know, in the belly of the beast in various places, because there is so much to love about a city. What does it make you want to do? Honestly, I had a long conversation with my better half, my husband, last night, and we intend to move out of the city. And I mean, we once you have children and careers, you have to make decisions that that and, and my husband's job is here I work all over and my son's school is here so we are going and we are going to probably move out to a little bit more of a rural area in the suburbs because I don't want to live like this anymore my son does not deserve to see this every day um, it's really dark and it's really upsetting and it's really depressing What's the firearm situation like? You don't have to address your home specifically. I know people don't like to give out yeah. that personal information, but people you know who live, you know, close to you in the city, what is the firearm situation? Is it something you can get a permit for? Are they allowed? Do you just sit and pray the cops will show up on time? What do you do? Uh, generally speaking, the cops do not come in the city, but they've been instructed not to. Um, they have what? no support from our, they have no, they basically generally like have no support from our district attorney and they have no support from, uh, our mayor. So half the time, you know, they don't come. I was mugged in broad daylight, um, about a year ago and I had a call six times and I said, look, I'm not standing on the street corner anymore. I'm going to my house. Here's my address. Please come. I want to fill out a police report because I wanted it to be known what happened to me in my city. My friend, um, her husband owns two clothing stores in, in, an inner city neighborhood and he both of his stores were looted i'll send you the videos they are beyond depressing and terrifying and sad looted like talked that there are no racks left they took the clothing racks like you need to be kidding me on this 
my point in telling you this is that the cops would come and then groups of kids would come and say, if you don't leave, you're, we're going to kill you. To I the mean, cops? Is, yes, to the cops. Yeah, and then the cops would just leave because they thought no one was watching. What? Well, uh, all right, Erin. This Aaron. is the first, I mean, she will get on your show. I, I mean, I'm a, a, her and her husband own these stores. Yes, she just says, I feel helpless. Yeah, I'm going to want her on. Erin, I need you to tell me the story of getting mugged, and I may interrupt you for a commercial break. Can I hold you over real quick? Is that okay? I know you're yeah, a busy I'll, woman. 100%. All right. I'll, I'll hold. Tell me the story first about getting mugged. I'll interrupt you when we have to get a break. Okay, and I'll talk quickly, so I apologize. You're fine. You're fine. You got time. We're good. Okay. I was coming back from an exercise class. It was actually was last summer, and I saw on the other side of the street um, a gentleman on a bike, going like on the sideway, like going off slowly. And he was looking at me in a really creepy way. So I thought, you know what? Perhaps I should throw on some more attire. I was in my workout clothes. They're not exactly conservative. So I thought maybe I just don't have enough clothes on and this guy's oogling me. So I cross the other side of the street and I go about my business just thinking that's enough. Um, all I have on me is a little bag. And it's like one of those slimly, flimsy bags you get at a store, you know. So all of a sudden I felt a tug, tug, tug. And the guy on the bike made off with my bag. Um, oh, Hang on one second. Oh, we will God. be right back with more Aaron Elmore, political strategist and Philadelphia resident. Hang on a sec. ExpressVPN. Remember that name because you're going to want it. You protect your family, don't you? I mean, you care about your, your wife, husband, kids, worry about your car, worry about your house. You worry about protection. So why do you just log on to the internet anytime in your home without ExpressVPN? Why do you let your kids do it on their pads, on their little iPads and such? Do you know that your internet service provider can see everything you do online? Yes, even that private browser you have up to try to protect your information, your internet service provider can see that too. Unless you have ExpressVPN, you essentially have left a huge window open where people can peer into your home. Does that sound safe? It's not. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. It will actually get you an extra three months free on a one-year package. Expressvpn.com slash jesse. Speaking with Aaron Elmore, political strategist, Esquire, and person who got mugged last year in Philly, so he just yanked your purse off your shoulder? Broad daylight, 11.30 a.m., walking down a relatively busy street, creepy guy on a bike, yanked my bag off my shoulder. And I'm like, what just happened? But the only silver, I mean, the silver lining is I wasn't hurt, but the other silver lining is the only thing that he made off was my spinning shoes, which... You can only wear them on a spinning bike. Ugh. And my custom ear plugs that only fit my ear. So guess what, buddy? <laughs> and I think $3 so I could buy a water that I never bought. So, yeah. Aaron. So guess what? Obviously, we're not allowed to address 
how old you are because you're a woman and we <laughs> avoid that subject at all costs. However, you're like not the plague. You're not 12. You are a grown no. adult with a husband and children, so you are yeah. relatively life experienced. What I'm saying yeah. is over the course of your very short life, have you seen <laughs> Philly change or has it really, is that just a rosy way to look at history? Has it really always been this way and we just have more media yeah. showing it now? No, because the crime statistics tell another story. The more you put liberals in power, crime goes up. Our district attorney, look him up if you don't know him, Larry Krasner. He is a pro-defendant, pro-criminal district attorney who's a former defense attorney who wants criminals on the street. Someone, a friend of ours, was actually murdered in the fanciest zip code, and the guy got off. And this city is falling apart because of Democrat leadership. Good grief. Now, is there any, I guess I don't understand all the politics of every major city, and this is why I'm asking, we from the outside looking in just assume, well, it's 99.99% Democrat, there's never been a Republican mayor of Philadelphia, and that may be the case. Is that the case? Is it radically hard left and everyone's that way? Um, I, it's going further and further. For example, on our Philadelphia City Council there were, I believe, two Republican seats, and the rest are Democrat and what, like at large. Well, we lost one of those Republican seats to basically, um, I forget the name of the movement, but it's a far, far left sort of AOC-styled, Antifa-styled movement. So this city is going really, really hard left. And what I would like to ask the people that are living here and paying the taxes here and voting for these people, do you think this is going to help? What do your Republicans, friend, Republican friends say? Is this a thing when you're in a city like that? Do you just grin and bear it? You just shrug your shoulders and think, oh, another another part of my city, city being laid waste? Does it make you mad every day? Do you all even discuss it anymore? I, To be honest, I just spoke to a friend that I grew up with that knows me very well. and We just saw each other, and he said, I was, I was surprised to see how angry you are. Because you've never been an angry person, and... I am really angry. First of all, I was angry about how the coronavirus response was handled in the city. And now with these riots, I'm so angry about the riot response. And now it's just a level of anger. I have friends, like I said, that own businesses in the city that have gotten decimated. Instead, we're apologizing for poverty. Why aren't we apologizing to the business owners for all of the businesses that have destroyed? These are the people that are propping up the community and paying the taxes. So all of my friends basically said these riots, aren't an advocation for change. These riots aren't going to have a social impact. The only impact they are going to have is on the welfare of this community. Aaron, you are a Trump supporter, have been a Trump supporter. What if I say I think Donald Trump's presidency is in trouble, both from the coronavirus response, whether you blame him or not, and from these things, these riots, that's a lot of chaos to happen in an election year. So he's a potentially coming up on a November election with 50 million people unemployed in America's cities on fire. That's bad. Joe Biden is a crappy alternative. We need four more years of Trump. What if I say he's in trouble? Am I wrong? In my opinion, I would say that you are wrong. I think okay. that right now, especially seeing what just occurred in the last couple of days, People are fed up. Um, and there's a, a meme, I believe, on social media that said, congrats, Democrat cities. You've had the worst incidences of corona. You have the worst riots. You know, these aren't coincidences. And I think the average hardworking 
member of any of these communities wants to see a president like Donald Trump that's kicking butt and taking names. What holds him back so from so far really, really, really being against these protests? Because I had someone say it to me yesterday. He said, look, Trump is he's on his way to earning a higher percentage of the black vote than any Republican has in a long time because he's been, fr- been frankly, outstanding for the black community. He's just been outstanding for it. Right. And so a lot of the, this guy said to me, it's holding him back from cracking down because he was doesn't want to look like he's got federal troops cracking down on black people. Well, I think most of these people, at least in my city, were like the organizers seem to be Caucasian. And what I was hearing, what I'm hearing is that these Antifa Caucasian folks were paying the inner city black folks like 30, 40, 50 dollars to go loot and riot. And what I would say to them, and this is a long answer to a short question, is be careful. Don't be a don't be a pawn to these people either, because they're not going to be the ones to bail you out of jail. But having said that, uh, you know, I even almost lost track of your question because I'm just so upset and so sad and so heartbroken by everything that's happened. But I, I. I'm sad. You, I don't know what to say, and I don't know how to answer your question. Keep your chin up. We're going to have you back on next week and get a status update on Aaron Elmore. Keep your chin up. You hear me? I'll be in Florida next week, and I'm staying there for a month. So let's <laughs> go uh, DeSantis. See you later. Thanks for having me. Later. Can hardly blame her there. Florida's sweet. Florida's so nice. All right, hang on. I have to tell you about my weekend. The truth is this, we as a nation have got to stop these things and stop these things now. And the longer you let them go on, the more power they gain and the harder it is to stop them down the road. People are not going to get tired of looting free stuff. These these rich suburban white kids who are going into town to have a little fun with a riot weekend... They're not going to stop getting bored and going into town. These Antifa people who are obviously paid to do these things. um, They're going to keep getting paid to do these things. We are going to have to do things that make you uncomfortable to stop these. It involves riot shields and batons. It involves somebody... Probably getting hurt. Hopefully not, but somebody's going to have to get hurt. You must put this down now before lots of people get hurt. The greatest mercy you could show both the rioters in America right now is to put this down viciously now. Right now. Or you can keep dancing around it. Uh, There's a curfew. Maybe. Well, kind of. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. The Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. 
took the fam to the lake this weekend. Now, before you get in your mind that it was some fancy trip, <laughs> it, was, it was a little, in hindsight, I probably should have tried to spend a little more money in hindsight. <laughs> you see, look, there's something about the water that lowers everybody's standards. I'm sure there's pro- somebody has probably written a psychological book on this, but water lowers your standards. I'm not just talking about for women either. Quit, Chris. I've, but I mean, clearly, I mean, you ever been to a beach town? What do all beach towns have in common? Every one of them. Every single one of them. They're all a little dirty. Is that fair? Chris, is that, producer Chris, is that unfair? And look, I love a beach town. I love dirty. I, I That's how I grew up. Well, not on beach, but dirty's fine, but they're a little dirty. You go in that beach town burger joint. We've got Galveston here. I live in Houston, so just south of us, we've got Galveston, little beach town. Everybody goes down to Galveston, says the same thing. Oh, man, it's really fun. It's kind of dirty. You go in the beachside burger joint. Just went down for a little while with the kids. Played on the beach. Kick back or order a burger and a beer. Uh, they're going to they're gonna forget some of your order. Your order is going to take about two or three times as long as it should take. If you inform them that it took too long, you're probably going to get a, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go check on it, I guess. Do you want me to go check on it? You'll get that kind of thing. That's beach town. Lake life, it's just a smaller version of that. Lake life is a bunch of houses on the lake. Some vacation rentals, sometimes permanent homes. And you get on a boat and you cruise around a lake, especially a lake with a bunch of homes on it, and you'll see some beautiful homes, but some of them are just flat out run down, really run down. And we show up to this place, Chris. (laughs) It looked a little better in the pictures. Look, woman, I'm not perfect here. I can't pick the perfect house every time. I guess there's a reason it was on sale. <laughs> of course, we show up. We show up. The front door will barely open. Now, my wife is only 5'2", but she's strong. I mean, she's 5'2 and small. She was a gymnast, but she's strong because she, she works out. She's a gymnast. She could not physically get the front door open. I had to twist the knob and slam my shoulder into it because it was so sticky. We get inside, and there are mousetraps sitting on the windowsills in the kitchen. There's flies everywhere. We start trying to organize the kitchen. And, yeah, everything's dirty. And when I say everything's dirty, the wife pulls out a cookie sheet because she's going to start cooking something. It hasn't been cleaned. 
We open up the silverware drawer, everything's dirty. And we're thinking, okay, it's, it's all right, a little rough. The toilets, all the toilet seats are doing that really loose thing where, you know, you sit, oh, yeah, the slide around to the side thing, Chris. Where you know, you know somebody's probably going to just flat out fall off one of these in the middle of the night. You walk out, the potted plants are destroyed. It's just a disaster. But again, it's on the lake. So you walk through the house and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is a money pit. This is a disaster. What did we do? This is this is terrible. This is going to be... And then, and then you walk out back and you think, oh, this is the greatest place ever. Let's book it again next weekend. <laughs> it's got this yard. It goes down to the water's edge where it has this sloping little concrete place where you can put in the kayaks and the kids are swimming around and it's deep and it's fun. It's just an overall wild time. But that's that goes back to my restaurant theory, does it not? It's always the same. Any of these restaurants they have out there now, there's a name for them. I think it's inappropriate, so I'm not going to read it on the air. There's a na- These restaurants where you have scantily clad young women serving the food. And they're super popular and people pack these things. There's a reason the food is always crappy. Because it can be. Because the restaurant operates like any other business. They operate on a, you know, on a profit motive. And let's see, I can, I am looking at my profit profit loss sheet. And if I buy fresh food every single month, if I buy all this fresh food and hire a great chef, then my food costs will be a hundred a month. But if I go with kind of crappy food hmm, and a really crappy chef, then my food costs can be 50 a month. Well, which one should I do? Well, I'd like to have the quality food. Well, let's be honest. We have the hot waitresses. This restaurant's going to be packed no matter what. Why would I invest in all the fresh food? Why would I spend the money on the good chef when I don't have to? It's the exact same concept with the Restaurants that have an amazing location. Right out. We're going to go to this restaurant. It's right on the ocean. People get excited about that. The wife will find one of these. She'll get excited about that. You know, friends. Hey, we're going for a couple's dinner. So-and-so found a restaurant. It overlooks the water. And you know what? I try sometimes, depending on my mood, I try not to burst everyone's bubble. But the first thing I think when, oh, this restaurant's right on the water, you know what I think? Oh, the food's going to suck. Why is the food going to suck? Because the food can suck. Because they know people are going to flock to that restaurant to eat on the water. They're going to eat on the water, and people are not going to care that the food sucked. They're not. It's just a fact. Chris, you know it's a fact. You may care. I may care. In general, the public does not care. Obviously, there are exceptions, idiot. I know there are exceptions, too. But exactly right. You said you know one place. You know one place. 
I can. We, everybody knows one exception, but everybody can name thirty that suck. It's that. It's just. It's the nature of man, and that's why you can have a lake house with this choice property and this amazing dock, and you can let your lake house go to complete crap because you can. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. Now, the good news is my buddy who we went out there with, he had an uncle who lived on the lake, lives on the lake, I should say, and has a pontoon boat. Comes and picks us up on the pontoon boat. Now, I am 38 years old. I am no longer 20 years old. Therefore, when I get picked up on a pontoon boat, I'm all, oh, I hope it has comfortable chairs. You know, when you're when you're 20 years old, how many kegs can we fit on there? Like an idiot. I bet it says capacity's 20. I bet we can get 40. That's that's how you think when you're 20. When you're 38 with kids, just make sure I have a comfy seat. Oh, not too much sun. I don't want to burn. <laughs> Hang on a sec. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. There are a few things that make me sharper in any given day than a good night's sleep. They're just, it's just hard to put into words the difference it is when I have eight hours of sleep and when I have four hours of sleep or less. I mean, look, when I don't get that kind of sleep, my mind slows down. My mouth slows down, which, as you can imagine, is a problem in my job. My physical body feels worse. Your body needs the rest. Stop all these other cheapo, over-the-counter solutions you get at the local pharmacy and start targeting the actual reason you can't fall asleep, those thoughts that race through your head. Go to tryeb.com jesse and buy an ebb sleep. You put it on, it calms your thoughts down, it puts you to sleep. And if you use the code JESSE at checkout, you get 25 bucks off. Go get your ebb sleep today. Tryeb.com slash JESSE. All right, before we get to the debilitating injury I came back with from the lake, we have to get to Medal of Honor Monday because before we honor me, an American hero, I think it's important we find a fellow American hero, Chris, (laughs) and honor him. I'm obviously joking because people will know this story. They made a movie about this story, and it's just, Man, I love this one. I'm talking about Gary Gordon. He was born in Lincoln, Maine. He was United States Army. He was Delta Force. And he was in Mogadishu when it all went to crap. And we had downed helicopter pilots. 
and these down helicopter pilots were surrounded by animals. And, well, you know what? Here's what Gary Gordon did. Master Sergeant Gordon, United States Army, distinguished himself by actions above and beyond the call of duty on the 3rd of October, 1993, while serving as sniper team leader, United States Army Special Operations Command with Task Force Ranger in Mogadishu, Somalia. Master Sergeant Gordon's sniper team provided precision fires from the lead helicopter during an assault in at two helicopter crash sites while subjected to intense automatic weapons and rocket-propelled grenade fires. When Master Sergeant Gordon learned that ground forces were not immediately available to secure the second crash site, he and another sniper unhesitatingly volunteered to be inserted to protect the fourth critically wounded personnel, despite being well aware of the growing number of enemy personnel closing in on the site. After his third request to be inserted, remember, third request to be inserted, after his third request to be inserted, Master Sergeant Gordon received permission to perform his volunteer mission. When debris and the enemy ground fire at the, at the site caused them to abort the first attempt, Master Sergeant w Gordon was inserted 100 meters south of the crash site. Equipped with only his sniper rifle and a pistol, Master Sergeant Gordon and his fellow sniper, while under intense small arms fire from the enemy, fought their way through a dense maze of shanties and shacks to reach the critically injured crew members. Master Sergeant Gordon immediately pulled the pilot and other crew members from the aircraft, establishing a perimeter which placed him and his fellow sniper in the most vulnerable position. Master Sergeant Gordon used his long-range rifle and sidearm to kill an undetermined number of attackers until he depleted his ammunition. Master Sergeant Gordon then went back to the wreckage, recovering some of the crew's weapons and ammunition. Despite the fact that he was critically low on ammunition, he provided some of it to the dazed pilot and then radioed for help. Master Sergeant Gordon continued to travel the perimeter, protecting the downed crew. After his team member was fatally wounded and his own rifle ammunition exhausted, Master Sergeant Gordon returned to the wreckage, recovering a rifle with the last five rounds of ammunition and gave it to the pilot with the words, good luck. Then, armed only with his pistol, Master Sergeant Gordon continued to fight until he was fatally wounded. His actions saved the pilot's life. Master Sergeant Gordon's extraordinary, extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty were in keeping with the highest standards of military service and reflect great credit upon him, his unit, and the United States Army. I know you've seen that movie, Black Hawk Down. If you haven't, you probably should. Let me just say this. Volunteering to do things like that is something special. It's something amazing. That's the American spirit that lives on. Guys like that make this country go, and I find it inspirational. You know who else I find inspirational, Chris? Me. Me. Because while I was at the lake this, this weekend, just like Master Sergeant Gordon, I what, Chris? I was critically injured. All right? We take the pontoon boat after they pick us up, and we're cruising around the lake. And guess what? 
it was no joke out there. The sun was getting extra hot and I was getting a little sunburn. Couple times got some water in my eyes, just like in Mogadishu. After we were done swimming, at one point I got water up my nose. Wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Pulled out of it and kept on fighting. And then, in the heat of battle, we chose to drop anchor and go swimming off the back end of this thing because the water was so pleasant. And anything, what, Chris? And anything could have happened in the water. I mean, who knows? There could be Nile crocodiles in this. Like, I don't know. Just how do I know how animals migrate? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a zoologist. All right. I didn't know if there were piranha in there, but I dove in anyway and we were swimming and I was, you know, looking around, making sure I was ready to fight off any enemy and the coast was clear. Eventually it was time to go. So I swim over to the ladder and I want to lead the way up the ladder because that's what warriors do is we lead the way. And I make the critical, critical error of grabbing the ladder first with my hand before I put my foot on it. It's one of those ladders that goes halfway under the water. Understand, it's not one solid piece of metal. Halfway up it, it's two different pieces of metal to give it a little bit of a hinge. What happens when you put your foot on the very bottom of a ladder? It pushes in. What happens to that little hinge point? It pinches on the inside. I grab it just like small arms fire. I grab it and then put my foot on it. The ladder then pinches around my ring finger on my left hand and tears a chunk of flesh from my hand. I do not mean gives me a little skin tear. I mean tears a chunk of flesh from my hand from the very end of my finger. I'm about to show Chris and make him dry heave in the in the commercial break because at this point you can still see inside of my finger and it's gruesome. Now I get on the boat and just like a Medal of Honor winner, I'm holding my hand and weeping. And the wife asks me, what's wrong? To which I obviously do the guy thing. I walk to the back of the boat and I said, nothing, I'm fine. And I don't want to look because I'm worried I'm going to need stitches and that's going to be a huge pain at the lake. And I look down and blood is just dripping off the end of my, I don't mean like pooling a little bit, just flat out dripping off the end of my finger. And I'm thinking, ah, crap, (laughs) but no, it all worked out fine. I got some blood on his boat, which I felt bad about. So I had to bend down and I'm cleaning the blood off the end of the boat. And then I had to ruin, get this, Chris, this is the real casualty in this whole thing. My favorite casual t-shirt. You know, I don't, you know, I don't own many t-shirts. And when you're at the lake, you only wear one for three days. Cause I don't really bother with hygiene. I wore one t-shirt. I had to wrap my finger cause we didn't have any band-aids on the boat. I had to wrap my finger in the t-shirt to keep from getting more blood on his boat. As we went back, pulled it off. And it looked like I had cut somebody's head off and held it in the Dacon shirt. The wife had me throw it away right away. It sucked. I know, man. I know. So I'm not going to sit here and brag to you about myself. You all know I would never do something like that. Not ever. But I'm playing hurt today. The end of my finger throbbing. And you think you would think I wouldn't be able to do a radio show with a hurt finger. And most, most mortal went mortal men probably couldn't. I can though. 
I can. All right. We have a bit of audio you need to hear. Hang on. don't know how to take on the IRS. Neither do I. It's look, the, look, are we expected to do that? No. No, we're expected to live our lives, try to make a living, try to feed the fam, you know. But at some point in time, maybe you've screwed up big time. It happens. Maybe you ran into some things you weren't expecting. Maybe they screwed up. Whatever the reason, if you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, you need a professional, a professional to fight for you. Paramount Tax Relief you know some of the things they can do for you? Did you know there's a chance you qualify for the new CNC tax program? And if you do, it'll allow you to stop making payments to the IRS while you're in the program? I bet you didn't know that. Paramount Tax Relief did. Give them a call and see what kind of solutions they have for you. 800-816-8749. 800-816-8749. Stop stressing about that IRS bill. Get a professional and do something about it. All right, we're stepping away from all the ugliness right now. Actually, I take that back. Let's dive into some ugliness before we get into everything else with Carol Roth, host of the Great Roth Effect podcast. Carol, you're a Chicago lady. If you wouldn't mind, please elaborate what you're seeing in Chicago before we get to all the market stuff, jobless stuff, all the other craziness. Chicago is an epic disaster, Jesse. Not to say that Chicago is not always an epic disaster, but this has really um, reached new proportions all throughout the city, uh, whether it's in the downtown loop area or even on the south and west sides, which are predominantly African-American communities, we have seen rioting, we have seen looting, we have seen destruction. We've also seen peaceful protests, um, but a lot of that has been hijacked by people with obviously very different agendas and taking advantage of the situation. And there has just been utter destruction, which on top of the tough time the city was already having from the very strict lockdown rules, um, it just it just really seems like we're living in the twilight zone. Are you leaving? I, I know you're a Chicago girl. I Everybody knows I love Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities. Obviously, it has a bunch of problems like most of our major cities do, but I love it. Are you yeah. leaving? Are you staying? What are you doing? So it's funny. For the first time ever, my my husband and I had the conversation this weekend is, you know, is this really worth it? You know, and whether that means going out to something that's more in the suburbs or going to a different location. But then, you know, we kind of run through the list of locations. And the reality is that across the country, 
everybody was seeing this happen, and you know, you can name the city. Um, so then it becomes a question of where do you go and what does that mean? But the, for the first time ever, um, that well, we we played around with it like you know a little bit, but you know, in terms of a, a serious like, wow, this is really really bad. This was the first time that we had that that sort of looking at each other, going, "This is really, really bad." All right, Carol, we're stepping away from the ugliness of that, and we're moving on to other ugliness. Carol. Yes, uh, ugly ugliness abounds, Jesse. Yes, it's just all kinds of ugly on the show today. Obviously, myself excluded, and and you, Carol, and you as well, Most, but mostly you. <laughs> now, um, I've asked you this question before, but I get asked it. All the time now, I feel like people get so confused about the stock market and unemployment. They can't merge those two worlds. We have easily 50, 60 million Americans unemployed. 40 is the official number. Everybody knows it's way, way higher than that. The stock market's not doing bad. So Americans wake up, they get on their 401k smart app on their phone, they see the stocks are all right, and they think, ah, the economy's fine. Carol, is the economy fine? No, the economy is not fine, and this is confounding to me as somebody who has studied and participated in markets for her entire career and and somewhat even before that. Uh, The stock market continues to baffle me in ways that I have never seen before. Um, What we're hearing from people is, well, the market is forward-looking. They look into the future and they're expecting that these all these people who are unemployed that that's a temporary thing and so if we look out you know 12 months or 18 months things are going to be fine and that's what they're looking at that being said i just find that hard to believe and i think that right now if you look at the the earnings that have been reported by companies we've only gotten the first quarter and obviously um the destruction from the lockdowns was was not really showing up in that i think that when we finish out this second quarter of the year and they start to see those numbers tangibly my gut says that everyone's going to go oh this is much worse than we're expecting but that hasn't happened yet. There's a lot of, of euphoria we've talked about on the show before. The Federal Reserve has been propping up the stock market with their own behavior. And between all of this, everybody on Wall Street is going, well, yeah, no, this is fantastic. But it is not a reflection of what is going on in the broader economy, um, both you know, from an unemployment standpoint and also just from a small business standpoint, the backbone of the economy, half of the economy, we don't know how many of those businesses are going to stay closed permanently or just not be able to survive within the next 12 to 18 months. Carol, I have a question about what you just said, though, and that's how is that humanly possible? I Now, you obviously are a highly educated former fancy banking person. I would expect you to know but I'm an idiot, and I know. So how could the smart people on Wall Street all of a sudden be shocked that things are going bad? How can that, how can that be possible? These are all intelligent people. 
Uh, well, they're not all intelligent people. They're they're people. There's there's common sense, and then there's uh, you know uh, other kinds of um, dollars and cents, and they don't always merge together. And so, as I said, I think that there's a, a fantasy that's being perpetuated because I think a lot of the people who participate in the stock market don't really have a good grasp on reality. A lot of those people are located on the coast; they're not seeing what's going on in the rest of the country, um, and you know. Obviously, we've seen this story before, not just with the stock market, but politically and culturally. Those people don't have the best pulse on what's going on um, across the country. So there are definitely people who are sounding the alarm bells. Um, It's just that, broadly speaking, they haven't been listened to. And as I said, we also have the Federal Reserve who is intervening with monetary policy. They've kept interest rates artificially low. They're going in and they're buying up um, debt in the stock market. And all of these activities are falsely inflating the price of the stock market. And that's something that can't last forever. How long does it last? (laughs) You know, Jesse, if I had that answer, (laughs) I'd be making a lot of money. We wouldn't be having this this discussion right now. I'd be on the the beach in Hawaii or something, sipping a Mai Tai. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, Carol, what do I do? I've got a 401k. Am I cashing in my chips and stuffing dollar bills in a mayonnaise jar? You are talking to your financial advisor, and you're talking about creating some protection for your account, some getting, putting a little bit more um, defensive kinds of things into your portfolio, maybe a little bit more gold, maybe some treasuries, some things that give you some protection to the downside, so that if the stock market does, um, you know, g- fall by the wayside, so to speak, that you have some securities in your portfolio to balance that and arrive. Out. No, I'm an optimistic person, Jesse. I know mm-hmm. you know that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the long term, if you have a long term horizon, you, you have to be optimistic and, and bullish on the country. But you, know, if you're getting close to retirement, you want to be having a discussion with your financial advisor right about now. Carol Roth, the Roth Effect podcast. What's on the agenda this week? Um, what's on the agenda this week? That's a really good question. I, I'm like trying to see straight right mm-hmm. now. So like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I haven't even figured out what I'm having for lunch yet today, Jesse. All right. Go do your thing. Appreciate yeah. you, Carol. All right. Take care. It's always a tough, tough call, isn't it, Chris? What do you do with your money? I've, I mean, people ask me all the time because let's be honest, I'm Jesse, the Oracle Kelly. People ask me, what, what should I do? What are you doing with your money? Just had a buddy ask me the other day. He said, Jesse, what are you doing with your money right now? To which I obviously, because I'm his friend, responded, putting it in your mom's G-string. <laughs> he wrote me back a really nasty message with cuss words in it and everything. It was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> What, Chris, what else are we supposed to do at this point in time? And what else can we do but laugh? There's nothing else we can do but laugh. If you missed any of the, any part of the Jesse Kelly show, we're not done yet, but if you missed any part, you can catch the entire thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify. You can catch the whole thing on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Talk about how handsome I am like everyone else is in the reviews because it's so funny. (laughs) My mom got a hold of them, and she said, son. She was so disappointed. (laughs) Hang on. 
People have been asking me what's happening right now. Let me try to explain to you exactly what's happening as best I can with the segment I have left. One, this is not only about police brutality. It's not only about the murder of George Floyd. This is, in many ways, a long time coming. When you have incidents like this that are this massive, it means things have been building for a long time. So what do you have involved in these exact protests? Well, here's what you have. You have, yes, you have Antifa. Paid, bust in, brought in. That's what you have. You also have, not necessarily always part of Antifa, you have bored, wealthy, suburban white kids who want to feel involved in something because everybody needs to feel involved in something. Everybody needs to feel challenges. So these riots become mini vacation destinations, and so they go into town. That's part of it. You have inner-city black kids. Many of them operating appropriately, protesting peacefully. You have inner city black kids. Many of them using this as an opportunity to commit crime. All these are part of the riots. I don't know why any of this is supposed to be controversial. All this is the truth. This is all the truth. But understand this. It doesn't help that we just locked down for two months and put 50 million Americans out of work. Anger building, locking down, mental illness increasing, alcohol use increasing, drug abuse increasing, joblessness, poverty increasing. You're building up a powder keg, but wait, there's more. It also doesn't help. That we have had a, for years now, a major, major, major balkanization of America. A major fracturing. And it has been this. It has been this. Leftists for decades now, but especially recently, have been flocking to American cities. Major cities. While people on the right, people center right, have been fleeing major American cities. And get this, too. As long as you're focused on the, the police are racist narrative, um, you realize all these cities are leftist cities and almost all of these police departments have spent years trying to do the woke policing thing? Bending over backwards to make sure we're policing, but we're doing it really intolerantly. You get that, right? This is not the 1960s South where there's a system in place designed to oppress black people. Very much the opposite. That's where these things are taking place. You have a real fracturing of of America and what you are witnessing is a fracturing of America. The ending the ending events of the fracturing of America. You have these leftist, Democrat-run hellholes 
that have been Democrat-run hellholes for a long time because they're all run on Democrat policies. The poverty only gets worse. The ghettos only get worse. Everything gets worse under Democrat rule. Everything. Absolutely everything. And now, not only are these things packed full of leftists, they're packed with a bunch of unarmed citizens and a bunch of poor people who've watched their standard of living actually go down because of Democrat-run policies for decades. Essentially, you have a powder keg. And that's why they're blowing up while rural America, if you live anywhere in rural America, what's your last week been like? It's been like every other daggone week. Quiet, peaceful, cup of coffee on the porch. But here's the problem with what we're facing now. And this is potentially a major problem. And I really hope these things stop before this happens. They're letting the cities burn. In many places, they're flat out surrendering the precincts. And unless you stop these, they don't stop. And unless you stop them, they're going to spill something we really haven't seen before in American politics in the history of American riots is them spilling into the burbs, into rural America. And that, my friends, is going to be a very, very, very big deal. Because if these things spill into the burbs, somebody's going to die. I do not like saying that, but the truth is this. Once you spill into the burbs, you're not running into a bunch of unarmed people in the cities. You're running into a whole bunch of people with weapons. I, my word, in my little neighborhood, I couldn't imagine a group of looters trying to storm into my neighborhood, it would be it would be over quickly. Very quickly. People protecting their wives and kids. Oof. And I don't want that. Hang on. ExpressVPN keeps you safe. ExpressVPN keeps you safe by making sure anybody at your internet service provider cannot peek in to the websites you've visited, to the things you do online. Um, that's a gigantic area of exposure in every single family. When your kids get on your pants, when you're online, when you do your private browser things so nobody can see, you know, when you're trying to encrypt your data, trying to protect your data... I have news for you. Your internet service provider can still see it. And not just the computer somewhere. Somebody actually at the internet service provider can see it. It's a big deal. Start taking that part of your safety more seriously than you already do. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse expressvpn.com slash jesse somebody in this country had better step up politician i mean and stop these things now
This gets ugly now. Not as if it hasn't already been really, really ugly. The Burbs, rural America does not look like American cities. Put down this problem now. Right now. Before it gets any worse. This should have been put down days ago. Do you think it's an accident? It's spreading It's spreading because we tried to pussyfoot our way through the first couple days of it. You know who's most responsible for all this crap? That idiot mayor of Minneapolis who just started abandoning things when this thing began. Oh, sure, you can have the police precinct, moron. All right. If you missed any part of the show, it's on Google, iHeart, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe. You can email me. I read Every single one of them. I can't email you back most of the time. I get far too many, but email me. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We'll be back tomorrow. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit labradorenergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit labradorenergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary.
Visit Safeway.com for more details. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders who die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risked their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs walks and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues the tunnel to towers 9-11 institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about america's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget more than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to tunnel to towers goes to its programs never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes donate 11 dollars a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's t the number two t.org Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. It's time for you to join half a million people in doing what? Well, doing something cool. Get a Burna less lethal pistol. That's Burna. B-Y-R-N-A. It fires powerful ammunition, tear gas, kinetic ammo, incapacitates an attacker for 30, 40 minutes. Having a less lethal option is crucial. It's legal in all 50 states. No background checks are required. They ship it right to your door. B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Jesse gets you an exclusive 10% discount. 